Hello, I'm Philip Brain. And I'm Harry Clennon. And you're listening to Reflections by Spectacles. Today we're going to be talking about an insight that Harry wrote called Voting Rights Bill, A Dead End for Democracy, about the House Resolution 4 and its passage and why it ultimately means very little and is a bit of a foreshadowing for a very bad time in American democracy. I think ultimately, the fact of the matter is, it has no chance of passing. I think it was actually passed because of pressure from civil rights groups who said they want, we want to see action on voting rights because Democrats have said, you know, one of our main priorities is going to be voting rights. The problem is the House can pass as many voting rights bills as it wants. It's already passed. It already passed a bill called HR one, which was even bigger. Which than was even bigger, much more expansive. Many more. You know, they even established independent commissions for for redistricting in every state. Some new campaign finance laws, all kinds of things. And this narrower piece of legislation also has no chance of getting through the Senate, which has a filibuster, and the Republican Party does not want to see a voting rights bill passed. And that sort of gets to my right. really driving motivation in, in in talking about this, which is that basically without voting rights legislation, without legislation that really ensures that any American citizen can go and vote in an election easily and fairly and also expect that the competition is not going to be absurdly lopsided against them. Without anything like that, it is very, very plausible that the GOP can and will cement an ability to win majorities in Congress and to win the presidency without winning the popular vote. Yeah. And the U.S. Constitution doesn't say that you have to win the popular vote, right? It does, there's nothing that says, like, across all the 435 House districts, you know, you have to have won the popular vote to control the House. It certainly doesn't say that in the Senate. And obviously, clearly, it doesn't say that with the presidency. Yeah. But the spirit of democracy is majoritarian. Claims about the founders thinking that democracy didn't need to be majoritarian are, generally speaking, pretty significant overstatements, right? I mean, if you look at the Federalist Papers, the private writings of the founders, they were pretty clear that government in the United States really drew its power from popular majorities. It Uh, does uh, not draw its power from a minority that, you know, a minority party, or a party that commands only a minority of support in the country. That's, that is not how they envision government. You can look back at, at the Federalist Papers, you can look back at their private writings, their letters to each other, and you will see that a lot of these arguments made by conservatives today about the founders. It's a republic, not a democracy. It doesn't depend on majority rule. There's some truth to them. The founders thought that I mean, sometimes there, the majority would need to be counteracted. But there's a, yeah, but, there's a big difference between it doesn't need majority confirmation and, well, we should have a system that avoids right or completely negates the power of a majority's voice. Right. And implicitly, uh, the, the, I think the, that's where the Republican Party is, is headed. And so I talked about these bills that are going through state legislatures right now in the piece, right? In most most egregiously, I think, in Georgia, where the state legislature is basically removing the previous mechanisms for oversight of elections and giving it to itself by allowing itself to appoint the people who oversee elections and to actually increase that that state election board's power over localities. And that, I think, the crux of that issue is that for example in like fulton county georgia which is in atlanta or you know as part of atlanta which voted overwhelmingly for joe biden that's where he got a lot of his votes that's a huge part of why he won the state of georgia those 
independent county and local level election officials are subject to much more oversight from the state board of elections now, which, and they can actually suspend, or I think even remove those local election officials, which means that in theory, whoever runs the state, Georgia as a whole is Republican, probably the state government is dominated by Republicans. Yeah. Then democratic portions of the state are going to be subject to incredible scrutiny. Yeah. And right. And and micromanagement Which in turn makes it very difficult and, and for Democrats disruption. to win control or right. win power at the state level. Which, as we saw in the special elections, Democrats are getting closer and closer. Right in, in, in the twenty twenty election, and in the and in this and for for the presidency, and then in the Senate elections, the Senate runoffs, where Democrats actually won both Senate seats in Georgia, it makes it it could make it very very difficult yeah. for them to continue to win power in a state where they are. If popular well, majorities and, were respected, increasingly competitive. And and let's just paint a picture of what that could look like in Georgia, why it would be so difficult. I think if you think one of the things you linked in the piece was this phone call from Donald Trump to, what was his name? Brad Raffensperger. Brad Raffensperger in Georgia. Yeah. And he said to the him. Secretary of State. So that that's the, the Secretary of State in, in a state. I just want to explain really quickly for listeners in case they don't know. In a state government, the Secretary of State is not like the top diplomat, like the Secretary of State is for the United States federal government. They're in charge of a number of administrative affairs, frequently including oversight of elections. Yeah. So he gets a call from Trump and Trump's saying, you've got to find me. You just got to find me 11,000 votes, man. Just find me those votes. And he says, no. I'm not going to do that. Right. Now, the current Georgia legislation doesn't affect the Secretary of State. Am I no, right? No, it does. It does. It, 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 in the past, the Secretary of State was the chair of the Board of Elections. Now, the state legislature appoints the chair of the Board of Elections. It's no longer right. the Secretary of State. And the so, Secretary of State is typically popularly elected or is popularly elected in Georgia. So, so now that... Next election that rolls around... If you if Donald Trump runs again in twenty twenty four, which he will, right, and a similar thing goes down in Georgia as we saw in twenty twenty, right, and he calls up the Georgia State Legislature, which is Republican and wants him to win, and says, "You guys need to find me eleven thousand votes." They're going to go to the Board of Elections, who they appointed, right. and they're going to say, "You guys got to find those eleven thousand votes." They and could. if they say no. They'll just appoint new guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> um, they can do that now because there's no longer a, a, a democratic... There's some, there's some limitations on who they can appoint, but you can bet essentially that who they appoint is probably going to be someone... It's going to be a party loyalist, not somebody be a party who's popularly loyalist. elected right. who, has any, right. yeah, who has any accountability yeah. to the democratic... Yeah. And Raffensperger is no hero. He's played a, a pretty large role in other sort of generally sort of restrictive movements on voting in Georgia. But at least in this case, right, he did, you know, he low, stuck low, to his guns. Low bar right, to low, be low a hero bar. for not changing the votes. Yeah, low bar for not for not committing open electoral fraud. But he didn't. So and now that ends so now. But he, even that low bar might be gone. Right. And there, the other state legislative bills in like Arizona and Florida... And there's, you know, controversially in Texas, it hasn't passed yet, but it probably will. 
Democrats all fled the state of Texas to deny a, a voting quorum in the state legislature, but they're going to pass a, a, a pretty restrictive bill, almost certainly at this point. They're not quite so drastic as that. They don't really empower the, the state board of elections to the, quite the same extent or just reduce its independence to quite the same extent. But there are things that have marginal effects, right? Like making it harder to get absentee ballots, um, making it harder to do drop boxes, right? And a lot of in the 2020 election because of COVID, there were you know a lot of states implemented these drop boxes, place locations where you could literally go drop your absentee ballot in a box and you know drive away or whatever. And they're reducing those different things that make it easier for people to vote. And those things, and especially those you know those really tight races in like Arizona and Georgia and Florida. Florida wasn't actually that tight, but it could be tight. Right? These key swing states. These marginal things, if you can affect, you know, 30,000 votes here or there, you can change the outcome of a presidential election. Yeah. And so, or a Senate election. In the House, you've got, you know, they're, we're going through redistricting right now because the census, was, you know, numbers just came out. And so we draw congressional, new congressional maps based on the results of um, the census every 10 years. And historically, both parties have gerrymandered. It's an old, old practice. I mean, it literally gets its name from a fellow in Massachusetts named Elbridge Jerry, who was drawing all these wacky looking congressional districts, which he knew were going to be good for you know him and his political allies. So it's, this is from like the early 19th century. So this has been going on his for a long His name was time. Elbridge. So we know it goes back a yeah, long way. We ways. know it goes back a long <laughs> ways. But in a lot of states controlled by Democrats, like the state we're in California, the Democrats handed over their power to draw it, in a lot of in these Republican states, the state legislature draws the district. So you see the problem where the Republicans control or, for example, in Illinois and Maryland, the Democrats control the Democratic state legislatures, control the redistricting process. They control who draws the lines. Well, Illinois, I think, you know, nobody could say that the Illinois state government has ever had a reputation for being corrupt. No, no, certainly not. <laughs> certainly not. <laughs> Pouring out for my boy Rod Blagojevich. <laughs> Blagojevich. Anyway, so Democrats do it too in states where, but in a lot of states, Democrats have actually unilaterally sort of handed over the power to right. these independent commissions rather than having the state legislature draw the lines or draw the maps. But Republicans have been less likely to do so. And so in a lot of states, again, we're talking about Georgia, we're talking about North Carolina, swing states where you know these things are these things matter. You've got Republican state legislatures drawing the congressional maps, which then severely impacts right the ability of democrats to win house elections so anyway those so through these mechanisms essentially the republican party is moving towards i would say i'm diagnosing this and i'm not saying anything pejorative about conservatism as an ideology i'm not a conservative but i'm not saying anything pejorative about conservatives and ideology if you want to hear more about our thoughts on conservatism you should listen to our episode of bird's eye on small government visions of liberal democracy but um has, it's a, has its merits and values in democratic society yeah so i'm not saying anything majority about conservatism but the gop right now seems to me to be as i say satisfied with or openly desirous of securing political control of our institutions at the expense of democracy at the expense of democracy and so that's where yeah. we get to what i would call what academics call and what i would not, call not not to mention that one of the ways they're doing it is by centralizing a lot of power into state governments over local governments so yeah i mean that conservative refrain about local <laughs> local local no central power right. whatsoever i mean yeah. as soon as it's convenient of course they they, they reject that right. tenet of yes. conservatism exactly so that is not that's about a good point that's it's a not a it's point. not about conservatism here it's about the republican party exactly so 
the party is essentially consolidating political control without necessarily needing to win popular support. And what that means is that in the future, we could realistically see a scenario in the next couple of decades where Democrats don't win a majority in the House, the Senate, and don't win the presidency. Now, they may not go so far as to say they never win, but the likelihood of them winning unified control of both chambers of Congress and the presidency, the chances of that in the near future are going down significantly. Already. And, and, and the chances are going up that the playing field will be severely tilted rather right. than level. Right. It's, um, it's not that it will be a level playing field that results in them losing. It's that it will be a, a tilted playing field to the advantage of the Republicans. Yeah. I right? mean, and, and what I'm and not saying is that's the problem. Yeah. Not that the Democrats won't win. If the Democrats can't win on a level playing field, that's no problem. Right. They got to figure that out themselves. They're not appealing to the American public. What we're talking about is an unfair situation yeah. in which they don't have an equal opportunity to win. To win. Right. I mean, and... That's, I mean, there, I'm not, right, I'm not saying that, like, there's some, like, latent majority that is always going to support Democrats if only the rules were fair, because I'm not <laughs> yeah. saying that, right? I mean, the, the Democrats are, in the House, certainly, are probably going to lose their majority in the 2022 midterms. I mean, again, as someone who's a Democrat, that's not something that I like, but it's an entirely plausible and fair outcome. Ger gerrymandering or no, they have a, a very narrow majority right now. And typically in a midterm election, the president's party, the incumbent president's party doesn't do very well. This is like, there's like a, just a, you know, pretty strong historical trend of that. It's just sort of like a check on presidential power. So that's something that is like totally fair and normal and natural. What's not normal is that a political party would set the rules of the game such that it is permanently advantaged in elections and that another party, even if it is winning a popular majority, cannot win political control of institutions. That's what I'm very concerned about. And I think and everyone, including conservatives, should be concerned about that because if we value democracy, that is not what we're dealing with. Right. 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 That is not what we're and dealing with. Also, I think it was touched on in this article, but it's really important to, t to highlight that this is not some conspiratorial theorizing about Republican strategy. We talked about it in the article. Tucker Carlson went on Fox News, had a guy on from Hungary whose explicit strategy has been undermining electoral rules so that his party can't lose. Yeah. And right. said, look at this guy. He's created a freer country than America. I mean, it's not even quiet anymore. It's He's saying it out loud that this is the kind of society that he and and, and definitely a lot of not just conservative pundits, but conservative political actors want. Right. And so that's that's really what we're trying to call attention to in this article. Yeah, and I saw, I, I, I can't find it now. I was just looking for it. I couldn't find it today, but there's a, a state representative in Ohio or state senator in Ohio is not just in Hungary said like, we should, we should, we should, draw the lines so that they favor Republicans when they're doing that, when they're doing redistricting in the state of Ohio. He, he openly said, he tweeted out, we should, you know, this isn't going to be popular. I know it's not going to be popular, but this is what we should do. Right? Oh, I mean, look at me falling on yeah. my own sword. <laughs> oh, oh, my cross is so heavy, sacrificing <laughs> for all of you to say this unpopular opinion. Right. Yeah. Oh I mean, my like, God. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, we see that that's, that that's happening. I mean, you might catch me saying like Democrats should gerrymander, but only because the Republicans are doing it. But anyway, you know, none of us are immune from those kinds of political biases and the temptation is there, which is why we should have independent commissions that draw these lines at the right. end of the day. That's, that's, should that's not the point. be a political decision. Um, but last word is 
I'm very concerned about the next, not, I'm not, I, I think that, you know, there's like a belief that like somehow politics may be kind of somewhat going back to normal because Donald Trump isn't there. But I think there's a no, very sir. good chance. In fact, I would say it's more likely that things are going to get worse politically. If politics were going back to normal, that Trump is gone, you wouldn't have still Republicans all over the country and all over Washington, D.C. saying that the election yeah. may have quote unquote may have been rigged right yeah i mean that is not democracy as normal i mean what does a failed democracy look like but millions of people and their elected representatives saying the vote might have been rigged when right it wasn't right and there's n no no proof to suggest otherwise yeah yeah that is that is a democracy in very bad health right. not democracy as normal yeah so your daily dose of bad news from spectacles. Sorry, guys. Yeah, but thanks for listening. We might have, you know, stay tuned. We might have something more interesting and uplifting, but it's important to remain aware and abreast yeah. of these issues right. regardless. So exactly. Don't give in to the despair, but, you know, good to stay up to date. Yeah. Anyways, that's all for today. I hope you enjoyed listening to this reflection. If you did, consider subscribing for new episodes of Bird's Eye and Reflections from Spectacles in Conversation. If you'd like to just hear our focus and insight articles read aloud, feel free to subscribe to Spectacles Out Loud. There will be a link in the show notes. If you'd like to find this article online to comment on it, the one we were discussing, there will also be a link in the show notes where you can subscribe to our newsletter if you haven't already. Thanks for tuning in.